The reading today is from Genesis uh, chapter 32, verses 22 to 32, and can be found on page 36 of the Church Bibles. So that's Genesis 32, 22 to 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Am I on? Oh, good. Thank you. Um, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name's Simon, and it's a pleasure uh, to be speaking and sharing with you uh, this evening. This is the second time I've spoken at St. Paul's, um, and the first time I ended up crying, um, which was really awkward. It wasn't because... I wasn't enjoying speaking, I was. Uh, it was just that I was reading a bit from Isaiah and it just sort of just came up completely unexpected. Um, the emotion came over me, I got really choked and it, it was just a bit awkward. So if that happens tonight, I, I do apologise. Perhaps you could just sort of pray for me um, during that awkward bit, that would be um, fantastic. Um, if you wouldn't mind just bowing uh, your heads in prayer and we'll just pray now. Lord, would you open our hearts and minds to hear your words uh, this evening? Would you, as it were, make sense of the, the words that are coming out of my mouth um, so that we are just able to hear your voice and what you have to say to us this evening? Amen. So... Um, Want the next slide, Martin? That'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, I was uh, very fortunate enough to be able to grow up in New Zealand um, as a child during the 1980s, which is a fantastic place to live. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's so much to do, but uh, one of the, the sort of problems, if, if it is a problem, or there was a problem back then, was that there was very little on television. Uh, there was two national channels back then, and... Uh, and we sort of struggled with what to watch, and they, they piped a lot of American TV in. And my, my favourite programme—I don't know if there's any sort of wrestling fans here—but uh, it was WWF wrestling. Hence the slightly um, pixelated picture there. Um, it was—it uh, was my favourite programme. This is the golden era of wrestling. Uh, this is uh, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior here wrestling for the Intercontinental 
belt, um, which I'm sure you'll know. I hear Jonathan laughing there, so I'm sure he recognises them. The, the rumour has it that um, behind all the bravado, and there was a lot of bravado leading up to the match, um, that they were actually in real life great friends, uh, even though they fell, fell out subsequent to that. And this picture really represents the theme of tonight's talk, which is on wrestling with God. Uh, an experience which, from an outside perspective, can look unpleasant and, un and unappealing, but it can, in spite of the discomfort and pain, produce a stronger and closer relationship uh, with God, the kind that I think God's calling me to have with him. It's not going to be so much a talk tonight as a series of sort of observations and reflections uh, about, um, it, I'm, I'm not going to be talking about wrestling, I'm not an expert on it, sorry to disappoint any fans, I'm going to be talking about the metaphorical rather than the physical um, aspect of wrestling as it were. And it's going to be a talk from a personal perspective. I've been wrestling with God for a number of years about a number of things. I'm still very much locked in that wrestle. Uh, I haven't come out the other end. Um, but I'm just going to be sharing one or two things that I hope will be an encouragement to others perhaps going through similar experiences. I am going to be touching briefly on mental health issues. Now I'm not a health professional so if anything uh, in what's uh, said, to, what I say tonight um, resonates or affects you in any way, please do seek um, advice on that. So I'm basically going to be using a single visual for this talk with a number of reflections uh, on that. Uh, awesome, thank you. This is a picture that we took about an hour ago. That is myself, and I'm sure you can guess the gentleman in the, uh, who, who I'm sort of wrestling with by his stripy socks. Uh, it's myself and Adam posing as Jacob and God wrestling. I'm Jacob and, and Adam's God, if you'll excuse this just for a moment for the, for the talk. It does say a man, but we're fairly sure it's God um, from verse 28. I want you to imagine yourself as a spectator at this wrestling match. What do you see? Perhaps just take a moment to look at that picture there. So there's a number of observations that I've made, and I'm just going to be talking about these briefly. If we can have the next slide, Martin, please. Thank you. This isn't the first wrestling match ever, and it wouldn't be the last. So the first thing you might notice is that we're both fully engaged in the wrestle. I'm really struggling with something, and I'm taking it out on Adam. Now, this might feel a bit uncomfortable. Wrestling with God, aren't we supposed to be reverent towards him? Of course but in verse 26 of the passage, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then in verse 28, the angel says, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. This passage provides biblical validation that it's okay to wrestle and to struggle with God. So when I'm talking about wrestling here, I'm talking about ranting, venting, raging even. I ask myself, are we allowed to do this with God? Isn't that sinful? This is a difficult one, but it's not unprecedented. If we go back um, and look, there are actually other famous wrestlers in the Bible. I don't know if you've noticed this. Abraham, before this passage in Genesis 18, is wrestling with God when he's asking, pleading with God to spare Sodom um, and talking about the number of righteous uh, people in Sodom, 
if there's that many, that then, then, then Sodom should be spared. It gets God down to ten righteous people. And then if we look at some of the characters who follow, follow Jacob, they wrestled with God, and this would often be displayed in their emotional interactions with him. Moses wrestled with God. He's, he's trying to get out of his calling to uh, lead people out of, um, out of uh, slavery in Egypt. And then later pleading for the people's forgiveness when they committed what um, was a great sin by worshipping the golden calf. There's wrestling going on there. Job. Job is one of my favourite books um, in the Bible. Job was a real wrestler. He wrestled with God as he sought an answer as to why all the afflictions had come upon him. It's one big uh, wrestling match, the book of Job. It's fantastic. David, uh, the Psalms are full of his wrestling. Uh, Just a few verses here. Psalm 55 verse 2. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless in my complaint and distraught. Psalm 142, verse 2, I pour out before him my complaint. The message reads, I cry loudly to God. Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Now, many of these are mentioned in what Jonathan likes to call the the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, uh, which lists uh, the, the heroes of the faith. Now, you could ask, argue that these were real wrestling pros. I could maybe alter it slightly, or at the Wrestling Hall of Fame, perhaps. Faith sometimes involves wrestling with God over something. It's okay to do that. Perhaps when you're wrestling with God, you're stretching your faith too. And even Jesus wrestled. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question, what was Jesus' relationship with his father actually like when he was on earth? There's an amazing little glimpse of it in Hebrews, which astonished me when I first read it. I didn't even know it existed. It says this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So he prayed and petitioned God with real emotion, and yet this wasn't irreverent. I've found this verse to be incredibly releasing uh, as I try and uh, develop a more honest relationship with God. It's okay to be real with God. It's okay to take out our wrestle on God, as it were, and I'll come back to that later. So the next observation is that wrestling is emotional. Um, Just look at the expression. You can't quite see Adam's, but you see mine. Look at the expressions on our faces there. I was trying to pull a sort of painful expression. It looks like I'm laughing, but I'm actually in pain. If we're aiming to be imitators of Christ, as it says in Ephesians 5, then we can imitate how Jesus was and his emotional relationship with his Father. Next thing you might notice, notice perhaps it's sort of stating the obvious, it's, it's up close and personal. You notice how close I am to Adam there. I'm not sure how much he appreciated it. Wrestling can, be a bit, can get a bit hot and sweaty but at least you're up close and personal. See, God doesn't want us to, to keep arm's length from him. He wants us close. There's a brilliant quote by John Stott, who's probably the most foremost um, evangelical theologian of the 20th century. Uh, I think it was in response to a verse in Revelation where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says this, John Stott says this, Have we ever opened our door to Christ? Have we ever invited him in? This was exactly the question which I needed to have put to me. 
For intellectually speaking, I had believed in Jesus all my life on the other side of the door. I'd regularly struggled to say my prayers through the keyhole. I'd even pushed pennies under the door in a vain attempt to pacify him. I'd been baptised, yes, and confirmed as well. I went to church, I read my Bible, I had high ideals and tried to be good and do good. But all the time, often without realising it, I was holding Christ at arm's length and keeping him outside. I knew that to open the door might have momentous consequences. I am profoundly grateful to him to enable, for enabling me to open the door. Looking back over more than 50 years, I realise that simple step has changed the entire direction, course and quality of my life. Now, I find it all too easy to hold Jesus at arm's length. That might be because it's how I am with a lot of people. People who know me might know that I'm something of a lone wolf. I struggle to be close to people because of previous breakdowns in trust. But if you're wrestling with him, you're not being like that. You're actually close to him. There's no separation. I wonder if you've ever had an argument with someone, perhaps even fallen out, fallen out but the, French, the friendship strengthened as a result. Wrestling brings you close during the event and then brings you closer after it. You'll notice something else, how I'm actually holding on to Adam. Faith is often expressed as letting go of a lot of things, but also about holding on. Sam, Lord of the Rings is one of my favourite films. Sam and Frodo, if you remember at the end of the Lord of the Rings, Frodo reaches out to try and get the ring. And Sam says, take my hand, don't let go. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. But it's more than holding on. You might see how we're locked in a sort of embrace. I love the story of the prodigal son, if only because it expresses how the father sees us and loves us. He doesn't greet his son with a firm handshake. Many have that experience of fatherhood. I'm fortunate not to. Whenever I see my dad, I saw, saw him yesterday, greet him with a big hug. No, the father greets the son with an embrace. God is the God of the hug, not the handshake. And at the end of the day, a wrestle isn't all that different from a hug. The difference is, with a hug, you're being still. Adam and I are captured in a moment of stillness. Is God asking you to stop wrestling and be still? Jonathan spoke about the importance of being still when he came back from sabbatical. And it's a real discipline, something to focus on. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 37 says, be still and wait patiently for the Lord. It's got to be one of the most challenging verses I have ever read and one which I often wrestle with. So I know we're talking about wrestling, but perhaps, I don't know, perhaps God's just asking us to stop wrestling with something and just be still. So you'll notice, if we can have the pitch up again, Martin, notice how Adam and I are face to face. Verse 30 says, Jacob saw God face to face. Now the benefit of being that close to someone 
and I wouldn't, I wouldn't try this to, just with, with any old person, by the way, um, is, is that it's easy to hear what they're saying, even when it's dark, as in this situation. Now, I often say to myself, why can't I hear God? You know, I've been a Christian 25 years, and you'd think length of service counts for something. Um, but but I, I often can't hear him. I can't hear him. And it might be because, as it says in James, he wants me to draw near to him. It says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. God might be speaking in that still, small voice. If you're face to face with someone, you can hear what they're saying, even when they're whispering. Elijah hears God's awesome whisper after the fire, the wind, the earthquake. After he's wrestled with God. And he's said, I've had enough, Lord. He is God's awesome whisper. Perhaps that's why God calls on his people to seek his face. I don't know if you've ever noticed this strange expression that appears in scripture a number of times. Psalm 27 verse 8, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Possibly the most well known is in 2 Chronicles. Where it says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. If you've ever played the game of hide and seek that a lot of us have played um, as kids, you'll know that it ends with being face to face with that person. Boo, you know. Um, And being close to them. At the end of Job, that great wrestler I keep talking about, at the end of his huge wrestling match, not only with God but with his friends, this fantastic verse, it says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. There's something about seeking God's face which enables us to get closer to him, to see him, to hear from him, and all of this comes from the wrestle. Now, something else you might have noticed, it's not obvious from this picture, but it's actually, it's from, from the scriptures, actually happening at night. Adam and I are wrestling at night, if you will. I don't know if anyone here has been to night wrestling or even if it, it exists, I don't know. It's a slightly odd picture of wrestling in the dark. I'm sure it would look a bit odd. But if I reframe the question and said, have you ever wrestled with God about something at night, then your answer might be slightly different. We often think God is absent in the darkness, perhaps because darkness is associated with evil sometimes, but the Bible says otherwise. We all know Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. One of my favorite verses from Micah, um, chapter 7, verse 8, says, Though I sit in darkness, God will be my light. God is present in the darkness It's no coincidence that Jacob's wrestling match occurs at night time. Luke gives a brilliant uh, illustration of this in the parable of the persistent friend. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight, I've emboldened that bit, sorry, I meant to take it out, and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. We can give whatever it is we are wrestling with 
to God in the night time. If there's something you're wrestling with, perhaps stay up all night, or okay, maybe just till midnight. I've done it a few times recently, uh, and the effect has, has been quite astonishing. It's okay to be shamelessly audacious. This is, again, a relatively new discovery to me. It's amazing to find we can be like that with God. There's something really special about encountering God at night. Luke, in Luke, it tells us that Jesus went out in the hills to pray and spent the night praying to God. Another psalm, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. And as we say goodbye to the, to the summer, I'm sorry folks, but that's just about it, and head into autumn, there's more opportunity to spend time with God in the dark hours, to wrestle with him over something, to get face to face with him and hear what he's saying and to become closer to him as a result. Another observation, fairly obvious, wrestling hurts, it's painful. Look at that pained expression uh, on my face as Adam squeezes me there. It looks like he's trying to hurt me. Perhaps the, the mistake I made on the visuals Last week was the last straw. I, I operate the visuals normally at the back. That's my job. Um, that's a joke. Adam's always very gracious. Um, why would wrestling hurts? Why would God want to wrestle with me? Why, why would he want to do that? Well, God wants to put, put us through what's known in scriptures as the refiner's fire. He's a refiner, it says in Malachi. There's an element of testing to this. Isaiah says, see, I have refined you, they're not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Refinement of metal makes the object metal purer and stronger. Perhaps wrestling, like any other sport, strengthens us. But wait for the healing. There's three verses I wanted to share with you that um, I just found when I first read them very strange, but there's something else to them. Uh, First from Hosea, come let us return to the Lord. He's torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. From Job again, for he wounds but also binds. He strikes, but his hands also heal. And from Deuteronomy, see now that I am he. There is no God besides me. I bring death and I give life. I wound and I heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Why does God hurt us? It's a bit like a surgeon who cuts in order to heal. Cutting hurts. Jesus is described as the gardener. In John 15 verse 2 it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The pruning hurts. But I spotted something else in those verses. I'm sure you spotted it too. There's another element along with the refining. God's healing always seems to follow his wounding. I don't know if you know, it's fairly obvious again. I'm touching Adam. I'm stating the obvious. But when we encounter God, his healing presence rubs off on us. In Matthew, we read of the woman suffering from bleeding. and She says to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. As we rub up against him in the wrestle, as it were, his healing presence rubs off on us, and I can testify to that.
For a long time, I've wrestled with the whole healing thing. I was divorced seven years ago now, um, which caused a lot of pain. And it brought to light a number of issues that I've had to deal with. Um, and these were triggered again by the breakdown of a relationship uh, a few years later on. And some of these things are still ongoing. And recently I was reading about the story in the Gospels of Jesus healing the man with the withered hand. And I said to God, why can't I see you heal like, like that man? So I possibly shouldn't have said that. But I'm trying to be shamelessly audacious maybe, I don't know. What about the others I've been praying for, for people in my family? There's a couple of reflections that I've got with this. Firstly, there is a distinction between physical and emotional healing. It's really important to make that distinction. Emotional healing is a process, is what I've discovered, not an instant thing. I was reminded of this by a friend when I was writing this talk. And the journey over the last seven years for me has been exactly that, a journey, a process. One I'm still on, I'm not at the end of the road, but I am getting there. This, my second reflection is, if for anyone who's here this evening and going through anything painful like this and looking for healing, is to try not to hide when you're going through, through this. And I find this really difficult because I'm a very private person. When I read that story, though, I felt God, this is a couple of months ago, I felt God saying to me, Simon, what did the man do? And as I thought about it, I realized what he was saying. He was, the man with the withered hand stretched it out in front of everyone. The lame man threw away his sticks again in front of everyone. A step of faith often requires a public act. And both of these men would have looked completely daft had God not acted. As John Wimber says, or said, sorry, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Now, I appreciate that sharing things in public obviously uh, can cause issues. It needs to be done in the right way. But perhaps if this applies to you, take a risk. Share with a small group or a group of trusted uh, Christian friends. Ask them to pray with you. This might just bring breakthrough. Bringing it back to our wrestling picture, the point is, is that wrestling might hurt, but there's hope of healing to come at the end. Another thing you might uh, notice about this match, if we can have the next uh, slide, is that a bit like this talk, it seems to go on forever. All night, in fact, um, until daybreak. And this speaks of the persistence in wrestling, but the persistence is acceptable to God. I think about, back to Luke again. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it says, and not give up. And the story of the persistent friend banging on the door. In Luke again it says, and will God bring about, just, will not God, sorry, bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. It's remarkable how close this is to the teaching Jesus gave on the Lord, Lord's Prayer. So I need to keep rest. I need to be persistent. I need to be assured of the relationship between suffering and hope. As it says in Romans, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And if we look at the picture again, we see another observation. There's only one opponent. I'm only wrestling Adam. Thank goodness he was hard work enough by himself. No one else is involved. When I was preparing this talk, I felt God saying about the importance of bringing 
anything I'm wrestling with to him. So what are the other objects of our wrestling? Well, we can wrestle with other people. We can have conflict and confrontation with other people. We can't also always get on. That's a fact of life. But I'm talking about something a bit deeper here, something a little bit more long-term. I'm talking about long-standing wrestles we might have with other people. The Bible calls me to love my enemies, not to wrestle with them. How do we love them? In Matthew 5, it says, pray for those who persecute you. This is a really difficult one for me. And now, unfortunately, I do have enemies. Uh, but I can say after many years of wrestling with this command, I do regularly pray for them. The breakthrough for me with this particular area came from something I heard Bill Johnson, who's the American pastor of Bethel Church, say when he was giving a talk on spiritual battle and he was explaining how his daily prayer works. He says that he starts by praying for his family, his children and his grandchildren. Then directly after this, he says he prays for the two international and the two national leaders who he says have publicly taken up positions against him. Praying for his enemies is a key element and key part of his daily prayer. And bringing before God those who you are wrestling with in prayer every day has huge spiritual significance. And I can testify here today that it does bring breakthrough. I'm not out of the woods yet, but I'm getting there. It's tough, but take it to God. He's big enough to handle it. Maybe like me, you're wrestling with God's word. It might, might sound a bit irreverent. Mark Twain once famously said, it's not the bits of the Bible I don't understand that cause me trouble. It's the, bit I do, the bits I do understand. It's okay to do this. N.T. Wright, the preeminent, preeminent theologian, writes this. That's what Holy Scripture really is. Not a calm, serene list of truths to be learned or comments to be obeyed, but a jagged book that forces you to grow up in your thinking as you grapple it. I've mentioned a few times how I've wrestled with the words, so I'm not going to go over this again, but I think in particular that wrestling with the unfulfilled promise is an issue for many of us. Now, one word that God's consistently given me is the word wait. I, I cannot stand that word. I don't know about you. cannot stand it. It's something I've always found difficult to do. But all, all I can say is that in the waiting, there's blessing and there's growth. What can we do? Well, we can bring it all before God. We can cry out to him as David did. It is okay to do that. We can journal. We can write down the verses that we wrestle with. Come back to it later. You'll be amazed at how many prayers God has answered. We can also wrestle with our thoughts. And this is a whole separate talk in itself. I appreciate that. Um, thoughts are often described as planes coming into land. You're the control tower. You let the, let the good ones land and the bad ones don't get permission. Well, my, if the mind is an airport, then mine is Heathrow. I don't know if anyone else is like that too. Be aware of your own mental landscape. Just to use a Lord of Rings analogy, is it, is it like Hobbiton up there? Or is it more Mordor? Where are the strongholds, the barradors? Just some questions for reflection. So what can we do? 
just a couple of things briefly. It's okay to wrestle with your thoughts. Don't think it's not, but bring these to God. Don't wrestle with them yourself. Take the wrestle out on him. David brought his before God. I mentioned Psalm 13 earlier. He says this, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day to day have sorrow in my heart? Now I struggle with something called rumination, which is to put it briefly, being preoccupied with thoughts of past experiences, usually negative ones. This has featured heavily in my mental makeup for a long time, probably since childhood. And it raised its head in the last few years, particularly after the episodes I mentioned earlier. But I only discovered it relatively recently after exploring, on the advice of my doctor, something called cognitive behavioural therapy, downloading an app and reading through the materials. I'm not going to go through this in detail. I'm not a health professional. But one part of CBT is about locking away negative thoughts. So imagine making up a lockbox um, in your mind and putting all unhelpful thoughts in there. And as soon as I was going through this, I was reminded of the verse in 2 Corinthians where it says we should take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. It popped into my mind and stayed there and has been the spiritual basis for praying about this ever since. And what this experience also reminded me of is that the medical and the spiritual are not mutually exclusive and that we can and should seek help in both domains. So what can we do if we struggle with any of this? We can pray into the verses like the ones I mentioned earlier. Praying into verses has powerful scriptural and spiritual significance. We can pray with a trusted group of friends, perhaps small group prayer triplet formation. There is power in that. We can go to the well. They have dedicated and very experienced prayer teams who have regularly, uh, who have helped me on a number of occasions. But also, your GP. As I said, the spiritual and the medical aren't exclusive. I can recommend a couple of apps and books, but the first port of call should really be the GP. And I've really felt, as, as I was preparing this talk, just an, a nudge from God to say that. Maybe this is what you've got this evening is just to have a nudge to go and visit your doctor, something you've been putting off for a while. Doctors have been given brilliant, God-given gifts and great brains to help, help us. There is an end to the wrestle. There's only one, ever one winner. The ultimate winner is God. Now you can't tell from the picture, but Adam knows the move I'm going to make. He knew what move I was going to... He won it, by the way, in case you were wondering who won the... Um, our relationship with God has been described as that between two chess players. God allows us to make whatever move we want, but will always outmaneuver us, not out of control, but out of fatherly love. As I said to you, I'm speaking from a point of mid-wrestle. It's not the end of the wrestle for me. I've even been wrestling with this talk as I prepared it. But daybreak is coming, as it says in the scripture. Daybreak came at the end of the, of the story. And blessing follows the wrestling. Job 23, verse 10 says, you'll come forth as gold. So if we just end by going back to that image at the start, I think, well, the, the, I think I've got a picture, Martin. Have you got the picture of the two wrestlers hugging each other? 
Oh, right, okay, just finding it. I've got a picture of the two wrestlers hugging each other. And it's really just to demonstrate that behind all the wrestling, God just wants a closer relationship with us. And if that means wrestling over a few things, then, then so be it. Let the wrestle turn into a hug. Let's just have a moment of stillness uh, and reflection. And then Adam is going to come up and lead us in the next part.